Thanks for tuning in to the Beer Mighty Things podcast, your place for education and happenings for all things craft beverage. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner. I hope you obtained some value from our show because, as you know, far better it is to Beer Mighty Things. Cheers. Welcome in to the Beer Mighty Things podcast today. We're not even talking about craft beverages. We're talking about craft jerky with Chief Trafficking Officer of Righteous Felon Beef Jerky, Brendan Cauley. Brendan, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me here, Kyle. Very welcome, very welcome. I do love the fact that, you know, for a long time, you got the uh, Chief Trafficking Officer as your, you know, mine would say like insurance agent or a podcast host or something, and you you have by far the greatest uh, title <laughs> yeah. in an email signature. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I've stuck with that from the beginning, even though uh, when emailing like banks and uh, insurance agents like yourself, it, it sometimes uh, might not be the most uh, appropriate thing to put there. But I, I, I do you I think like that sometimes it. gets caught in like the filter? They're like, I don't know, there's a red flag. I, de- I definitely think not just the trafficking officer, but having the word felon in your, in your actual domain name, I think that has definitely caused some, uh, some spam caused some of our emails get caught in spam boxes for, uh, for quite some time. Have you ever had a police officer show up at your door and say, what, uh, what are you guys doing? Not, <laughs> not related to the name. Uh, we, we, we have had some police officers drop by the office just for, uh, other reasons but uh never never just for the name that's pretty funny we won't get into any of that (laughs) um you began your your business in 2012 with your brother correct uh yeah my brother uh both my brothers and uh and a handful or even a little bit more of a handful than uh some of my other like lifetime or, or lifelong friends um from downingtown something like nine of you yeah, yeah, there was nine uh nine original the nine? I guess it was eight original eight original founders, yeah. It's pretty wild. Usually you got yeah. one or two. What's that? So usually there's you know, say one or two and then uh Yeah, this was um I mean thinking back to kind of when we got started, it was uh we were young, you know, I think I was twenty five at that time. Um and we certainly never thought of the business growing or even last, you know, lasting eight years or, or growing to the, to where it's grown to today. Um, really at that time, it was, it was kind of just a, a, uh, a joke among friends that grew to the point of actually incorporating. And at that point, it just seemed only kind of only right to everyone who kind of helped make jerky at, you know, at our, at our kitchen in Westchester up until that point to just kind of include them in the, uh, in the charter of the business and uh you know thankful and fortunate to say today that all those guys are still you know still involved and we've never really had any sort of you know dispute or anything like that amongst amongst the friends it's all in all it's worked out really positively through the years and and uh and we've added a couple guys to the team uh or to the you know, to the uh, stakeholder team since then, but all, you know, for the most part, it's remained the same, same core group of guys from the beginning. That's pretty commendable. I mean, you don't see that too often. So, I mean, you guys are doing something right. You got a good product, you got good leadership. I mean, you guys are doing, doing things the right way. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So the, the kind of beginning of this almost start off like a drug deal it was like, uh, you had a, you know, 
Yeah, so tell me about that. Yeah, well, I originally I had an uncle um, who worked in uh, worked in the steel mills out in Pittsburgh. Um, he had this little jerky hustle going on at Luke and Steel, like way back in the day. I was only about ten or eleven, and we were visiting out there one time, and you know he took me down to his, you know, in the basement where he had this couple different dehydrators run. And he had a, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, it wasn't an operation, but he definitely had a, uh, you know, he had a process down uh, going there. And, uh, and he taught me, uh, you know, his recipe and kind of things to look out for and like cuts of steak that he used and things like that. And I just kind of fell in love with it as like a 10 or 11 year old kid. Uh, when we got back, I think my birthday was coming around or, or maybe Christmas or something. I can't remember, but I ended up buying um, like a little Denny dehydrator with, with some birthday cash um, and just started whipping up recipes at, at home, um, you know, in Downingtown. And then me and, and some of the, my friends like Tucker Reinhardt and Kyle Whitmore um, who are partners today, we started bagging it up and selling it at, you know, around middle school. And um it looked very similar to some other things that were being sold at Downingtown Middle School at the time. And uh, so we we got caught in the bathroom at, at one point by a teacher, just like swapping jerky for like a $5 bill or something. And uh, got in trouble for that as they thought we were, you know, selling weed. Uh, obviously, you know, we got clear to those, you know, clear to those charges. But to us, from that point on, um, we just always kind of referred to the jerky as like this, illicit substance or this underground you know underground uh contraband amongst ourselves so even as like we were going to music festivals or ski trips um you know throughout the you know throughout high school and college we would all kind of pull our money together and i'd make a big batch of jerky and we'd still kind of refer to it as you know in those terms of like a, of a jerky cartel so when we actually like revisited jerky production like 10 years after that and actually, you know, started to sell it a little bit and, and kind of saw what was happening in the craft beer world and thought that the, the craft food world would follow, uh, follow suit. We needed a name. And, um, you know, we decided just to kind of stick with that, you know, that theme that we had already been working on amongst ourselves for so long. Uh, we just decided to kind of roll with that. And that kind of is the origin of you know, the righteous felon name and then all the characters that, that kind of embody our, our flavor profiles. They're, they're all, uh, you know, characters or pop culture icons that kind of have that checkered past associated with them or could be seen as good guys or bad guys in history, depending on like, you know, what lens you want to look at them through. And that honestly is where we have a lot of the, a lot of the most fun, um, is just kind of coming up with those names and, and, uh, coming up with the the slogans that kind of represent those names. Can, can you hit on some of those names? Uh, our, well, our first original three flavors were OG Hickory, which was kind of just like a nod to OGs from the wire. And, you know, yeah, those, you know, that type of uh, culture. We had uh, Che Polte Guevara, which is a, you know, a nod to Che Guevara. We had Habanero Escobar, we still do, which is uh you know, referencing Pablo Escobar a bit is probably our most controversial uh, name. <laughs> controversial <laughs> name. Uh, then our fourth flavor was uh, Victorious B.I.G., which is our collab with Victory Brewing Company. Um, so, you know, obviously we're tying in the Victory name there a little bit. And then we call the B.I.G. our beer-infused gastronomy uh, line. So that's Victorious B.I.G. Um, 
We had yeah, baby Mar- Marilyn Monroe now. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe just came out, which is a, uh, an old bay jerky, which we were pretty pumped about just um, to add the first female felon to the lineup. Um, and then actually, as of tomorrow, we're releasing this guy, which has been a long time in the long time in the works. I don't know if this is backwards to you or not. Is that backwards? Al Capone. Al Capone, which is our uh, turkey jerky. <laughs> which is uh, turkey with basil infused and all for you can't refuse. So we're pretty pumped about that one. How, how do these things come about? I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. I can't stop smelling. Those things are amazing. Where, is it a, a little think tank going on over there? Is it after hours after a beer? Like, where does the, where, how does this happen? Yeah, that's predominantly, uh, especially early on, you know, a lot of the guys that, that are part of the group, you know, early on, we hung out a lot more than we do now. A lot of us were even living together at the same house. So, I mean, there was a lot of beer, you know, a lot of late nights, just, uh, you know, bullshitting and, and coming up with names. And, and now it's more like if you looked at our Righteous Felon group text, it probably goes back eight years. And there's just, you know, ongoing debates, arguments, suggestions Love it. Uh, of, you know, how to name certain things. And it gets you know, the stakes, I think, get a little bit higher and um, and the names have to make a little bit more sense just because we've grown. And therefore, you know, we've seen that the names really have to be representative of the of the flavor um, so that on a more of a mass market, I mean, not a mass market, but just, you know, our audience is larger now and we don't always get the opportunity to kind of explain the reasoning of the name to each consumer. So now we really try to there's more, uh, more nuance to the names and we try to make them, you know, definitely more, uh, translatable to like your, um, like an everyday consumer that might be passing it in the store or, you know, seeing it on, on Amazon or however they might encounter the product. We, we try to make sure that the name really lands, uh, to a larger audience. Um, and that it, and that the, uh, the reference is, um, popular enough that they actually get the joke as well. So, I mean, that's, we're pretty pumped about Fal Capone because it's, it's pretty spot on. I think it's fantastic. I love it. It's funny. We actually, uh, Tucker, who's, uh, one of my partners and best friends and, uh, he and I do a lot of the, a lot of the brainstorming about all the, all the creative stuff. He's, he's one of the most, if not the most creative person I've, I've ever met. But we were talking yesterday about how Fal Capone finally launching. We, it actually, when we were launching the Victory Flavor back in 2014, we were at Great Divide Brewery out in Denver and just there for hours trying to come up with the perfect name for, for our Victory Jerky. And that was actually, we, were, we came up with, we were drinking a lot. Um, <laughs> we came up with Al Capone. Was it Al Capone? Yeah, Al Capone uh owl okay yeah because we <laughs> nice. because we we thought that the storm we thought that would work for storm king because of the big owl on the package and we were all jazzed up and i ended up emailing i think bill and ivy at the time at victory and we were like we did it we came up with the name and all this and then next morning we woke up and we had an email from them and they were like hey that's great and that's creative but it's actually a hawk on the storm king box it's not an owl and we were like ah shit <laughs> so, so now uh you know what is it six years later the name has kind of come full circle and we were able to throw uh you know throw foul on it for uh you know for a, 
uh, represent a, a bird, and uh, it's worked out well. Absolutely. For the people who can't see it, it's F-O-W-L. So That's right. Yeah, That's awesome, man. All right, Brendan. So you just mentioned Victory and Victoria's B-I-G, v, uh, Victoria's B-I-G, and I actually didn't realize that stood for beer-fused uh, gastronomy. Is that what it is? Gastronomy? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. I love that. I'm a big Biggie fan. And I know Bill now well, and I know that Bill is sort of a mentor to you. And um, how did that relationship begin? How did you say, you know, what's that conversation like? Hey, Bill, I want to do a jerky with your beer. How does that come about? I think it was, you know, I think before we ever even launched anything, the vision, you know, to all of us guys grew up in Downingtown and Victory, you know, as you know, is you know, pride of Downingtown and it's it's kind of just this awesome story of of entrepreneurship and and uh and food and culture and flavor and beverage however you kind of want to like wrap all that together and it was just uh for us you know we were big craft beer guys even in college when you know probably 90 you know 90 percent of the beer I drank and that everyone else in at East Stroudsburg and every college drank was, you know, Milwaukee beast or something like that. Nice. We, uh, me and like my house, we drank a shitload of storm King and I had like my college walls were covered in that awesome, like black, uh, the cases that it used to come in that black yeah. and red and yellow case. Like that was my wall covering. So long before I ever even had a, a plan for righteous felon, I was just obsessed with victory and it was, you know, bringing that up to your school or, you know, where at that point craft was still relatively small and being able to share like your hometown, you know, your hometown pride with like other people and they embraced it too. Um, you know, I've just always been a huge fan of, uh, of victory. And then, so when the business got a little bit of legs, like early on and we had a little bit of distribution at, you know, some local spots, be it breweries or the Bruno brothers and Carlinos, like the small specialty shops around Philadelphia. It was always in our plans to approach victory. And we thought we were pretty hot shit at that point. I think after we had like 10 accounts, so we approached them and, um, and they weren't, you know, they didn't shoot it down right away, but they just said, you know, it's, it's a possibility, but you know, bring us, you know, bring us some ideas um, from a flavor, you know, from a flavor profile perspective, from a branding perspective, I think I met with a few different marketing people at victory there before Bill and I actually met. And, um, you know, when we finally did meet, as you know, like Bill is just super curious about everything and he's extremely intelligent and, and, uh, and he had a, had a lot of his own ideas about, you know, how to kind of derive some beer flavor out of the, you know, out of the products or out of the collaboration um, and instill it into the, beef, the finished product of the beef jerky. So that was really, you know, when we finally came out with Victorious B.I.G. and like the back of the bag story, which uh, I wonder if I have one of those here. I mean, that's something that Bill got very involved in. Um, he had us write it, but he was he kept pushing back on the edits just to make it really stick. And I think that made us. Um, you know, just that continuous push to sharpen, you know, to sharpen and distill your branding and your messaging um, was a great early lesson, for, you know, from Bill. And um, the product launched and it was our best seller for a lot of years. It's still like our one of our top three. It's still like a, you know, it's still a favorite among the fans. And was it, oh, I have the back of it if you want me to read part of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you always use Storm King in this or have you done some variants? 
It's always been Storm King, which um, has gotten tricky because it's they've really cut down on the production of it. In some ways, I think maybe we're the, uh, I think maybe we're keeping it alive a little bit because I think I don't know, I think over the last two years we've bought more than any other uh, establishment out there. Yeah, it's always been Storm King, and again, that was like that was just the beer amongst our friends and my and myself growing up. That was just like the pinnacle of craft beer. This black, you know, black opaque nine point was it nine point one, nine point two percent beer. It was just it was just such an anomaly in the early years, you know, the early days of craft beer that it just uh, really stuck with us. So to be able to to use that one uh, off the get, you know, from the get go is we were really pumped about, and then it's been great to stick with through the years. I think I have, I think I have six kegs out in the, in the warehouse right now, which, you know, we stare at every day and think about tapping into, especially with what's going with, especially with COVID going on here. Sounds like, sounds like you got some work to do. Um, but Bill, you know, that's kind of how we got started. And then with that, probably, I don't know, within year one or so, I was able just, you know, fate, you know, as we were growing and facing some tough decisions, business-wise I think I reached out to Bill once just to see if I could bend his ear about something and and he was more than uh you know accommodating and we got lunch and and we're able to talk through stuff and he's just uh you know I think he's kind of like one in a million as far as the skill set and the attitude and the enthusiasm he has for the industry and for food and beverage in general I mean each time I speak with him you, you kind of feel well you feel uh, you realize how much more you have to learn about business life. And I mean, really everything, the guy is, the guy's just, he's an anomaly. He's, he's well-rounded, um, yeah. very genuine. He's open to new ideas. He keeps his, you know, options open. And like you said, you know, you sent him, you were like, Hey, I got 10 accounts. I'm hot shit. You're going to, I want to work with victory. And most people would be like, either just ignore your emails or say no. And they were like, all right, well, you know, show us what you got. That's right. cool. You know, that's yeah. cool. Everyone's going to give you that opportunity. And then he comes from a graphic design background, you know, in his earlier. Yep. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's easy to forget because he's so good at a lot of the other, um, you know, core business functions. Yeah. He does have that background. He, we've actually been hanging out a lot recently because we've been doing these, uh, every Wednesday we do these, um, victory beer and, and artisan snack bundles um, that we deliver out to uh, a company who's hosting like a, a weekly um, happy hour for all their remote employees. And so that's just like two or three hours each Wednesday. I just, you know, we just get to hang out and talk and pack boxes. Now is that, is that part of your, you know, fueling the front lines, you know, the, the COVID-19 project you're doing? Um, it's actually separate. Um, we have a few, we have a lot of different projects going on at the same time here, but they're all kind of related to this idea of, of, you know, care pack, you know, getting people snacks, you know, through the mail or, uh, or basically doing their food shopping for them just because of obviously the, uh, you know, the, the climate out there. And, you know, I think across the board, e-commerce is seeing, uh, you know, seeing a surge, but and we've certainly, you know, some major, major channels of our business have gotten, you know, turned upside down, but you know, there's other ones like grocery and Amazon and e-commerce that have, that have done well, uh, since this happened. But, uh, 
what we're doing with Bill is, is really just supporting some local corporate co uh, customers that are nice enough to host these happy hours for their, for their employees each week. And basically, uh, Bill is, is coming up with, um, you know, what beer he wants to feature each week. And then I, or we work together to kind of pick the snacks that we have in the, in the warehouse here that best accompany that style of beer. And, um, and the, the recipients of this have just been, uh, we thought it was going to be like a one week thing and we're going on week five, um, going on week five. And now we've added, uh, two more, two more companies that have like signed on for it. So it's been really fun, but obviously for me, um, the best part of it is, you know, getting to hang out with Bill for a couple hours and basically, uh, you know, learn from him. Yeah. It's like getting an MBA for free. Yeah, exactly. Not for free. There's, there's no such thing as free lunch, but you know, and not just that, but he's actually, he's a pretty good warehouse worker too. <laughs> You're putting him to work. So we're getting some free, getting some free labor out of it. Can you talk about your snacks? Because we're not talking about, you know, butterscotch crimpets. Yeah. So we built the, you know, righteous felon business, which is just beef jerky and other meat snacks and whatnot for five or six years. One of, uh, one of our like sales representatives during that time was Dan Klausner and he was kind of taking our product and, and selling it to, uh, a set, you know, to especially retailers around the country. Um, and, but he represented a lot of other really cool, like niche craft food brands, just like righteous felon, but in other categories, and at some point after working together for six months or so, we realized that there was probably a, a, a good opportunity to, instead of uh, us being a, a supplier of his, if we actually kind of merged our, you know, merged our, uh, our expertise into one entity. And uh, Dan ended up joining us and he kind of runs the entire partner brands division, as we call it, which is just all the non-righteous felon or non-owned non stuff uh, that we carry and that we distribute through our sales networks, uh, right alongside our jerky and, um, the brands that are in there, it's just, um, Oh man. I mean, so I, I'm looking at them, you know, you got the hospital snacks, you got vegan snacks. I mean, you're looking at, you know, we're, we're talking about hippies. We're talking about dang. Um, we're talking about smart sweets, uh, organic mango and, and yeah, you guys are crushing. It. I mean, you're not, you have different target markets. You have, um, something that fits. It's all great branding, but it all makes sense. Like a lot of times you can get a lot of different brands and they don't mesh well. Right. You guys have done a really good job of, of creating that, you know, bundled package. Yeah. Well, I mean that the bundled package is really that just came out with three weeks ago because the majority, you know, that the, the goal of that original business of, of bringing in other brands was, it was really a whole, it's a wholesale business that was pointed at, um, you know, we really have grown pretty quickly over the last few years in like boutique and, and luxury hotels doing all their mini bars, private, you know, private air, air travel. So, you know, private jet companies that stock their planes with like elevated, you know, snack goods. And then Dan has also broke into the, uh, broken into professional sports teams as well, where we're now supplying, um, you know, 20 or 30 different pro sports teams around the country with this collection of, of, uh, not just small batch and craft, but, you know, healthy, low sugar, high protein, gluten-free, you know, all the, you know, all the modern sort of, um, features that people look for in, in healthy eating is really the, the niche that we're trying to fill. And as you know, if you think about those three industries, professional sports, hotels, air travel, 
and corporate offices, which was like our bread and butter, they all they all completely closed like within the course of a week. And that was what triggered us to, you know, really switch the strategy from a wholesale business, you know, business to business endeavor into these bundled snacks for e-commerce. And it's, uh, you know, we're still kind of thumbing our way through it, but the initial, uh, you know, the initial launch has been awesome. And, you know, obviously the kind of the, the market, um, just the, the state of the market helps that because people are looking to purchase things online, but we also think it's a pretty good offering and pretty good value to the end customer. So we think it, you know, we hope and think that it can be a, you know, a long-term, uh, you know, a long-term offering that we offer, you know, through our websites to the end consumer. And then, so, you know, say the sports teams is that these are the the foods that are in their locker room, say to, to give them fuel to, to do what they got to do. Yeah, so there's in some cases it's fueling or the protein stations at their training centers. In other cases, it's their every you know every flight that they you know are traveling for a game. We will hit the we'll hit the tarmac with six boxes of food to feed the entire team and staff for the flight, and then on the way home the same thing. And that's that's really what we've gotten good at is not just having um you know not just having a really awesome uh, collection of, of of, uh, of products, but the logistics component um, we've become experts at. And that is what these, um, particularly people who are operations that are very trap, you know, uh, travel-based or geographically spread like hotel chains um, to kind of have this centralized option uh, for sourcing goods where, you know, very seamless distribution around the country. Um, it's been a very like well-received offering from, from, you know, from those types of operations that are basically just on the move, nonstop, yeah. all over the country, uh, because most traditional food distribution is is uh, truck route related. Um, yeah. So it's very regionally focused. So for us to be able to do it efficiently through the mail, through FedEx and UPS has been, um, it's opened up a lot of markets for us. That's cool, man. You know, in a lot of these products too, it's kind of grab and go. It's really easy. So it helps them when they're on the move. Exactly. Yeah. Talk real quick about, you know, we're talking about, you know, feeding others. I mean, you, right now you're raising money. Is that still going on? And you did a GoFundMe um, for, you know, the, the folks and the first responders and such. Yeah. Yeah. That's going really well. We, we originally thought um, our original goal was to raise like 1500 bucks for uh, just to kind of donate some of the snacks and stuff that we, that we carry. Um, you know, we were thinking like Chester County and Lankanal and UPenn and, and Jefferson and stuff. But uh, I think the GoFundMe is now right up around 6K. Um, so we've, you know, surpassed that original goal pretty quickly. And I think now our target's 7,500. And I, and we've actually been able to expand that sort of geographic region. We have a lot of people that would make a donation and then ask if we could send to, you know, this particular floor of this particular hospital, you know, we have a niece or someone who's a nurse there and they could use it. And that's been awesome to see. In fact, that was the, that was kind of the impetus for the whole idea was that we had a customer come online, drop like $400 and just send, send it directly to a hospital. And that was really like the light bulb moment. Like, Hey, why don't we just, you know, help facilitate this rather than, you know, let good Samaritans like this person, like, you know, do it themselves. We can actually help kind of crowdfund this, um, 
and make a bigger impact. And I think, um, you know, it's been, it's been great so far. And I think as long as this thing goes on, I expect it to continue to be a good option. And we're looking at things now to, uh, or ways now that we might be able to uh, to add some other like PPP or PPE stuff to the boxes that, uh, you know, because as much as these guys like beef jerky and, and snacks, I think, you know, masks and gloves and things like that are uh, more critical. And we do have um, some relationships with, um, you know, with manufacturers that that can produce those things. So that's kind of the next stage that we're looking at now is is masks and throw some sanitizer in there or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I love the fact that you guys had, you know, you, you actually you set a goal on GoFundMe and then you hit the goal. So instead of just stopping, you increased it and you keep pushing. Like that's commendable. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's, I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship because it, yes, we're donating and, and we're raising funds to donate, but it also helps keep us busy and keep some of our, our hourly employees busy here in the warehouse and, and, uh, you know, helps us deplete some inventory that, you know, that we had uh, in stock to support, you know, the hotels and sports and corporate offices and all that. So it's, I think it's, uh, it's a win-win for, for all parties involved. And it's been, and we've been extremely thankful and, you know, grateful for the support that we've gotten. Obviously, we didn't expect, we didn't expect it to, to be, uh, to receive as much, you know, for to be embraced as, as much as we have been here by the general public and by our fans. And it's been awesome. Great. And you recently expanded into a new warehouse. You know, you have much more space, you got some shelf space, you got more products. So how has that expansion really helped with this? Because if you didn't have the space, you might not be able to do what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, we made the decision a year and a half ago. No, probably December of 2018. So yeah, about a year and a half ago. Um, we used to outsource our fulfillment, just like a lot of smaller e-commerce or, you know, uh, single single skew brands do, um, but as we, you know, when we mer- when we partnered with Dan and we formed Artisan, we we went from having like five skews of jerky to having two hundred some skews of all different things, and it just became an absolute nightmare to manage through a third party fulfillment center. Um, so we got lucky and found a local flower business that only used their warehouse for three months out of the year. And we decided to dip our toe in the water of, you know, warehousing ourselves um, on like a trial run. And we did that for uh, eight months and it went really well. And just, you know, it was, we were nervous about doing it, but it ended up being a huge blessing in disguise because we got extremely efficient in, in our operations. And then we, that gave us the confidence to know that we could move into a bigger space and continue to grow into it. So, um, I guess in September of last year, we moved into this uh, space where we're at now, um, which is about 6,000 square feet and really tall ceilings. And we have it, you know, we have all the pallet racks and everything set up in a pretty optimal way. So we've been able to, um, you know, to your point, just carry, carry a lot more stuff, um, be able to react very quickly. Um, you know, we typically ship orders same day, whether that's for, uh, you know, for one of our grocery stores or sports teams or hotels, all the way down to online orders. Um, we've kind of just made that uh, internal challenge of, you know, if you're living in the Amazon age where, you know, where things arrive in two days at the latest, um, 
you know, even if you are a small business, you can't sit back and say that we, we can't match that. I think that's like table stakes at this point. Um, so yeah, the extra space has just given us the, uh, you know, the ability to keep more things on hand and respond faster to the, to consumers who expect it faster, you know, in the modern, you know, the modern Amazon age. Yeah, it's cool because you have, you know, now you have your front office, right? You have your your physical office there. You're, you're handling paperwork. You're handling sales, um, service, and then boom! Now I got just right down the hallway. I got my products. We can communicate quicker. It makes everything more efficient when you can bring it under uh, all under one roof. Absolutely, that's uh, that in itself. Yeah, I mean that you can't put a price on just how much the communication has improved and the responsiveness to just making uh, game time decisions because you can see your actual inventory, you know, real time, as opposed to relying on a, uh, relying on a report from like a satellite warehouse or even driving, you know, a mile away to your, you know, to your other location where the warehouse is just having, you know, having everything under one roof has just been um, tremendously, you know, tremendously improved uh, efficiency. Awesome. And, and speaking on the, the roofs and the shelves, you know, your product is found in all sorts of places, you know, grocery stores and such. But, you know, the neat thing is that, you know, you stick within that craft culture. And what happens is when I walk into a brewery, I, you know, I'll order a beer and then I look to the shelf there. I'll look next to the taps and there's packs of righteous felon beef jerky. So, you know, not everybody is doing what you're doing right there. You're, you're cultivating that culture of, Hey, the, the person who likes craft beer probably will like my product. So let's put them side by side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and I think the other part was that during the time when we, the early years of the company, um, I think myself and, and all of our partners were spending a lot of time at breweries. So it just, uh, it became an easy write-off to, uh, if we could get it, if we could, get, if we could get a display place behind the, uh, behind the bar. But, um, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kidding there, but yeah, I mean, if one it's, there's definitely a demographic correlation, you know, craft beer drinkers, uh, we think are very much aligned with, with, you know, our target market for, for our, uh, style of beef jerky. But there's some other things too, that made that like an attractive kind of uh, sales channel for us. And it's, you know, one of my favorite business books is blue ocean strategy, um, which I would recommend to anyone that's looking to get into business. Um, but it's just about kind of going where the competition isn't, um, particularly when you're small and you don't have the resources um, to really go head to head with, with the incumbent players of a particular category. Um, and we kind of just saw craft beer aside from this perfect uh, alignment of, of target demographics, a real necessity um, there should be salty snacks uh, behind a bar. You know, if someone's, particularly if the brewery doesn't have a, a kitchen, um, which a lot of new breweries don't, um, you know, they're typically concerned about getting the beer operation up and running and, and find dialed in to make sure the beers of high quality. And that's where you see like a lot of the food trucks, you know, will be the, the initial, um, you know, kitchen, uh, so to speak for, for a new brewery. But we saw it as, you know, why not have this shelf stable, salty snack, spicy snack that's going to, you know, allow you to keep keep your customers in their seat longer so they're not walking down the street to grab a slice of pizza or something. Yeah. But two, there's no other competition there. Um, you know, if we want to go to a grocery store, there's 50 other brands and every one of them pays, you know, 
15 grand a, a peg for that shelf position, you know, just the you know, law of big numbers, you're not going to sell as much if, if you're one of 50. Um, so we saw it as a way to uh, say, look, you know, you guys need some snacks here. We'll give you this cool display. We'll give you this product that's proven to work. It's worked at a lot of other, you know, breweries that are similar to yours. And if it doesn't work, we'll happy to come and buy it back from you. And, and um, you know, it, it was, it's a hard thing to say no to because uh, we make it pretty low risk for everybody, particularly Jersey. I'll say also, you know, when you are applying for a brewery license, I think the G license requires, you know, um, you know, space for 20 seats and food and a uh, pretzels or popcorn constituted food. And personally, like, I don't really care for popcorn. I don't really eat pretzels. And I would much prefer to have jerky and get that, you know, 20 grams of protein, et cetera. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's another reason why we saw the, you know, the opportunity to, to carry more products as the right move to make is that you, we just created a more holistic solution for places like breweries, right? Instead of buying beef jerky from us and popcorn from, from John's popcorn and granola bars from so-and-so, we made a pretty easy modern platform, you know, online platform where you can go and buy all those things at wholesale prices and they'll be there, you know, next day or two days. And it just streamlines your entire food operation. So you're not spending all your time like, uh, you know, managing 10 different vendors just to set up your snack bar. Yeah. Love it. All right, cool. Um, and then real quick, we'll just hit on the quality of the jerky. Um, you know, it's not mass produced in some mega factory. It's not sitting here with chemical preservatives. Um, it's got high grade ingredients and, um, you know, so, so sugar has been introduced to jerky. Can you tell me a quick little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean the, the, the key, kind of the key pillars of what we look for in jerk in our jerky is we've all, from day one, we've always sourced our beef from Rosetta farms, which is out of uh, Moncton, Maryland. And they are, uh, uh, all natural black Angus farm and they don't use any growth hormones or antibiotics. And they also dry age all their carcasses for 21 days before it's actually sliced and, and packaged for uh, for retail or for food service. And really for us, that does a couple things It's one, just the, the natural feeding and the pasture raised, we believe just delivers a better all around flavor. Um, we think, you know, happier cows, equals better beef at the end of the day to the, the dry aging is really tenderizes beef. And it also accounts for losing about 6% of the water weight before, um, you know, before it's even shipped to us. So that almost creates like a sponge for the marinades that we create. Um, and that that's one of the reasons why we've stuck, you know, with them aside from them being awesome guys as well, is that it just creates, we think the best beef jerky that you can have. Um, and as far as the other ingredients, we really try to keep it to a minimum as far as the other things that we add. So we use soy sauce, garlic powder, onion powder, you know, all things that you would find in your, uh, you know, in your cabinet at home. And we do use, um, brown sugar, which, uh, which you asked about. And, and I think it's because we've had conversations in the past about other competitors using, a, you know, having a very heavy hand with sugar. And without getting into all the <laughs> the mathematics of it, it's just sugar. Sugar weight is much cheaper than beef weight. Um, the more sugar that you can kind of get to absorb into the protein, that's uh, that's going to add up to your you know your ounces per bag. 
and that allows you to put less beef for uh, per bag. Um, so that's been a strategy of a lot of uh, kind of the bigger uh, bigger jerky companies out there is just to uh, load up on sugar. They can put out they can put out more jerky with less beef jerky in it, essentially, and less quality in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a easy way to understand is like if you start with a hundred pounds of raw beef yeah. as your batch you know, typically we'll yield about 40% on that, which means we get 40 pounds of jerky and we've lost 60 pounds of water weight. If you add 20 pounds of sugar to that, to that hundred pounds of beef, you'll actually end up yielding around like 50 or 60 pounds of finished product. And that has an extremely uh, big impact on your, on your cost per cost of goods. Um, but sugar does a lot of other things too, you know, in all foods. Um, but it, for a shelf stable product like this, you're really trying to ba- balance the acidity and the salt with the moisture of the product um, and the sugars and sugars helps you kind of achieve that perfect balance of like of toughness and softness. Um, not only when it's first made, but as it sits on a shelf for three, six, nine months, sometimes um, that balance of sugar and salt and vinegar and, um, some of the other uh, acidic ingredients that are in there, it just helps stabilize the products um, on the shelf for a long term. Uh, for the long term, and obviously, like what we think is you know, the perfect bag of beef jerky should have a little bit of spice, a good bit of salt, some of that umami from the soy sauce, and you know, uh, a little bit of sourness, which we use we use vinegar, you know, heavy hand of vinegar in our recipes, and then obviously you do want some of that um brown sugar and molasses type sweetness and that's that creates a pretty uh pretty awesome uh you know punch of flavor um if you can balance all those things i i learned a lot about jerky just in the last two minutes (laughs) yeah i'm sure the listeners will love it man this is great (laughs) thank Um, you cool so you you had mentioned blue ocean strategy um i do have that book on my shelf it has not been read yet um it's on the on the list um, but while I was in your office the one day, I noticed you also have Small Giants. Uh, yeah, I love that book. <laughs> what do you love about it? Um, well, I mean, I think that – how much time do we have? Uh, I think it's a very interesting look at modern, you know, the modern perception of, of what a successful business is, where there's so much focus on growth, top-line revenue – you know, the majority of the biggest companies in the world right now don't necessarily have a positive P&L, and yet they're, you know, embraced for it. You know, Amazon, I mean, Amazon's profitable now, Facebook's all, you know, they're all profitable now, but for a very long period of time, and it happens a lot in the food and beverage space, it happens a lot in the beer space, when you look at some of the huge acquisitions like Ballast Point a few years ago, or, you know, any of those kind of large uh, seven, eight, nine figure acquisitions. Um, it's primarily been about top line revenue, not about, um, profitability or, you know, managing your business, uh, responsibly for, for shareholders, um, for employees, for customers, um, and small giants, I think kind of just shined a light on that, that said, look, just because the rest of the world is kind of pushing you towards, uh, 5x year over year growth or 10x year over year growth, you know, it's still your decision and you can still have a great 
a great small business that makes a lot of people happy that makes you secure, you know, and, and from a, you know, fr from a career standpoint that makes your employees happy and proud to work there. And you don't necessarily have to subscribe to this idea that it's a billion dollar company or bust. Um, so I've always, you know, I, I like that book a lot. That was one of the first, uh, one of the first books I read, um, when I started this whole thing and one of the other ones I can see behind you there, which is brewing up a business, um, which is kind of funny. That's how I ended up going to Germany with, with Bill and, uh, and Sam and, and Greg from stone a couple of years. That's another podcast, man. That's such a cool <laughs> story. Holy shit. Yeah, that was, that was quite, that was an awesome, uh, what an experience. What an experience. I interviewed a guy the other day. So it was one of your favorite things. He said, you know, I did an interview, you know, I had, uh, it's, uh, it's Nate from GK visual and he'll be on here. He did the port in PA, you know, did the documentary about all the breweries in Pennsylvania. And, but his favorite interview was, you know, he sat with BB King on a tour bus and talked to him for a while. You know, you got oh, to spend, wow. you got to travel with three of the top brewers in the freaking country. Like, that's another podcast, but that's such an experience, man. Yeah, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really awesome. Uh, uh, we were very lucky, right time, right place. But if I didn't read the book, I don't know if I ever would have. Uh, it wouldn't have happened without the book because that's what that's what uh, started the original conversation at uh, at Firefly with Sam. I love it. But um, but yeah, that book. I really like that book. Um, and I got a whole bunch of books that I would, uh, I could go on for, but blue ocean. Yeah. I highly recommend blue ocean. Well, and I don't know if you read it, but you know, I see Nelson Mandela's on your website. Um, and he says, he's got, he's quoted here, you know, when a man is denied the right to live the life he believes in, he has no choice, but to become an outlaw. And I'm literally, I, I went and grabbed it off my shelf, but uh, a long walk to freedom, which I mean, dude, this guy was in prison for 27 years. Yeah. And, and came out of it, you know, being positive and giving and, and loving. And it's just so interesting how in certain times and, you know, it's really all comes down to your mindset. Yeah, I have not read that one, though. I have been reading about Nelson Mandela uh, recently, but I probably should pick that book up because um, one of our newer products coming out is, uh, is Biltong, which is South African style jerky. And it's most likely going to have Mandela in the name. So we like to be pretty uh, educated on the, the characters that we kind of depict on our packaging. So that's one that I have to, uh, I definitely want to dive in and learn some more about him. Love it, man. Awesome. Well, where can we, where can we find more about uh, Righteous Felon and Artisan Brands? Um, I would say given the time frame um, or given the state of affairs that the world's in, um, you know, our website, righteousfound.com is great. Artisanbrands.com. If you're a wholesaler or if you're a, a retail, that's our, that's our wholesale site. Um, we just rolled out a 120 store program with giant foods um, where we have a full end cap that has all uh, 12 of our, 12 of our, Righteous Felon products on it, which is an awesome program. We actually installed that uh, over the last two weeks in the midst of the whole um, coronavirus thing. So shout out to, uh, you know, to our team who was out there and hitting 10, 12 stores a day doing these installs. Um, and then Amazon Prime, we have our full product line up there. And that's, you know, 
price match to our website. So if you're more comfortable with Amazon Prime, um, you know, that's definitely a good spot to to give us a try. Love it, man. Well, uh, kudos to you guys for, you know, your leadership sticking together as a large group of folks over a long period of time. That's hard to do. Uh, your knowledge for nutrition and beef and you're caring about the product itself, um, the packaging, uh, caring about the people on the front lines right now. I mean, you're putting others first. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, man. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. We uh, appreciate it and really appreciate you having, having me on to talk to you today. Yeah, very welcome, man. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you find this valuable. Please follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. And while you're at Apple, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating. It helps us get noticed among the craft beverage community there. Thank you. Cheers and beer. Mighty things.